Welcome back to the Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule, and we're just perched very high up for this morning's podcast um, in Siesta, overlooking the mountains of Santillaria. I can see the Puig de Mesa uh, nestled over there on the crest of a beautiful hill uh, in the distance as well. And there's, yeah, I can even see right the other side, straight out to Tago Mago. And I'm at the home of uh, today's guest, um, who is a hairdresser and an artist. And I'm very excited to introduce our very first Scotsman to the podcast, Mr. Jeff Mercury. Hello. (laughs) Thanks for joining. Thank you for letting me join you. (laughs) How are you doing? Good? I'm great. I'm so happy that you um, invited me to this incredibly beautiful pad you have here. It's a nice house, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really nice house. It's very different. I've never seen any... uh, Yeah, it's very Art Deco. Remember, it's not my house. (laughs) I don't care whose house it is. It's a great house, house, all right? (laughs) Yeah, it's a great house. Yeah, it's an amazing house. Yeah, it's a great location on the island overlooking Santularia and looking over the bay and looking over the island in a different direction. It's great. Yeah, rather than looking out to sea all the time, you get to look inwards here. It's good. Yeah, it's really nice. I mean, it's pretty evident from the minute you step through the gate on entry that you've, um, you know, you've made a few adjustments um, to this beautiful scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been involved with a lot of the, the, the creative side in the exterior. We're painting the pool and designing things and made some of the furniture on the interior and getting involved with that, joining that up with the artwork and things that I do here on the island. So, yeah, yeah, it's been great. Great opportunity to do it. And having stuff there, yeah. I think it's yeah you've just put your kind of stamp on it which feels as as i said very evident as you obviously you know you've just given me the grand tour which was um a joy to see this entire um you know area and its true glory and also you know the artwork with the the stool that you've got with the the little mirror underneath it as a piece of artwork hiding underneath the table which i love yeah there's a lot of secret little things in here and a lot of details that especially with working with the owner you know he's like he's the attention to details amazing you know and he just loves all these little quirky cheeky little things that we can do you know and everything's natural and it's just an amazing house you know it speaks for itself really doesn't it i think it's probably seen a bit of action do you reckon yeah, I'm sure. I did last night anyway, that's for sure. <laughs> Looking at the state of the place this morning, you know. Yeah, yeah, it does. But it's family vibe, you know, it's a family vibe. It's not a it's not a party house. It is for families, but there is families that have a party, so that's for them. Worst item ever found upon checkout? No comment. <laughs> I did just see an oyster card, which I haven't clamped eyes on for a really long time, and I just thought, I don't want to touch that oyster card. You just never know where those things have been, right? Yeah, 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 100%. 100%. Not just on the dirty tubes of London. No, 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 definitely not. No, definitely not. You know, get rid of all this evidence when people go. You know, I, I know exactly what I used to do with my oyster card when I lived in London anyway, so, you know, takes one to know one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. Whatever you do with your oyster card is your business. <laughs> Simple. God. I've never lived uh, in London. Boggles. No, I did, I did, I did. Those I filthy Londoners, if you're listening out there, we love you. <laughs> yeah, especially in Scotland. <laughs> Where, um, whereabouts in Scotland are you from? I'm from Dundee on the east coast. I'm from there, just north of Edinburgh, south of Aberdeen. We're in the middle. The Sunshine City. We have lots of sunshine there. I think it's the, sun- it's the sunniest place in the UK, I believe. More sun hours in Tayside area than anywhere else in the UK. So yeah, it's a really nice place. The V&A is there now. You that know sounds what? quite highly improbable, Jeff. Are you sure about that? I promise you. You can look it up. Google it. I promise you. Google it. It's true. It's true. It really is. I think it is. Yeah, it is. It's true. Wow. I, I'm, I'm amazed. I had my, in my mind that Scotland was... I mean, I've actually only ever been to Glasgow once to go and see a gig, and that is actually it. I was interviewing a band. Okay. Um, I can't even remember which band it was. it was. I think it might have been the Kaiser Chiefs, actually, at one rain. of the... Um, it, it did rain, and it was miserable. Yeah, I went to Glasgow once in my whole life, and it, was, it didn't rain. You know, you don't go to Glasgow without your jacket. You know, that's just not happening. I've never ever been, I've been to Glasgow once when it hasn't been raining. And I used to go a lot, you know, and it was just like, wow, this place is, like the West Coast is much wetter, but the East Coast is a little bit drier. Where we are, we have the most sunshine. I'm sure so. I can see you've got a sunny disposition, Jeff. So yeah, wherever like you go, sun. you take it with you yeah, anyway. I like the sun. I like the sun. I follow the sun, you know? Yeah, and this is what brings me here as well, you know, to the sunshine here. It's amazing. So how did you end up here? Wow. I, I came over and just basically was one of these things. I was fortunate that I got a few places on the planet and, you know, people say, I'd love to live here, I'd love to live here or whatever. And I never, ever thought that anywhere that I went. And I was sta- I literally got off the plane and I was in the taxi queue. 
and I just knew right there and then. And I hadn't even been in to the island, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be here. And within a matter of 24 hours, I was in, and I met, I just slapped the I came across on my own the first time, and I met, like, locals that I was still in contact with today, and I just seemed to banged into the right people at the right time. Who did you bang into? Uh, I, don't, I don't want to tell you about things like that. Um, <laughs> these, these, I banged into a few people. How heavily did you bang? Uh, hard enough. <laughs> hard enough to end up here. Um, hard enough to end up here. But yeah, and then I met one of the guys from uh, the Love Parade in uh, Berlin. I met him. Berlin, isn't it? The Love Parade. Mm. Yeah, I met one of the, the guys from there. And Leeds as well. The Leeds Love Parade. I went there a few times. Uh, I'd never be, I didn't know anything about that. I only know about the Berlin one. And the guy, one of the owners, I met him at Ushuaia, literally within 15 minutes of arriving. And he was like, oh, I think he had my accent. And he says, can I buy you a whiskey? And obviously I'd never met this guy, just walks up and buy you a whiskey. And I was like, no, you're all right. You know, it's like, I'm just here. Right? So I buy my own drink. And I'm just standing, guys, I'm just standing. Sort I think of, he liked you. Yeah? No, 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 it wasn't like that. He was, even though he was like the, the, the he wasn't, wasn't that. He was a straight guy, I'm sure of it anyway. And he, he walked around and next thing, like half an hour later, he was like, do you want to have a beer now? And I was like, yeah, let's have a beer. And then the rest of it, and it was like wild. The, the next three days was wild. And he introduced me to Ibiza proper, you know, proper straight away. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. And then just just from there, the, just the burn came up. And then I ended up coming over that often. I was talking to people on my phone more here than I was people back home in Scotland. I was starting to do hair when I was over, starting to get contacts for that. And then I decided, you know, let's just go. You know, I'd had enough of the, 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 the sort of living in Scotland, but just like, like time, time to change up. So last, maybe last chance, so let's just go, you know? And it was the first place I thought I'm going to live here. And it's the same same population as Dundee here. And that was, I don't know how I remember that, but I remember looking or someone said, or I said to someone, how big is it? And they said, oh, there's like 150,000 people. And I was like, oh, that's the same as Dundee. And I was like, I'm comfortable with that. Whereas I have, been, have lived in London and things, there's too many people, you know, it's too much for me. There's just so impersonal. Um, but with the hairdressing was different because you're very personal in the team that you're working with in the hair in the hair and, and like the craft of hair in salons and working in teams is great. I want to get into the hair in a bit, but first up, why do you think Mr. Leeds love, uh, love yeah, Mr. Berlin Love Parade made a beeline for you? I don't know. I think he was on his own as well. He was there as well, and I just think that when I think back, you go, "Oh yeah, it was like good energy, man." You know, when I think, I didn't think like that at that time. I understand. I hear that more here than what I do in Scotland. You know, people just talk about energy crisis in Scotland, but here it's like, you know, it's like, oh, I felt the energy, man, and like the guy was just sound, and it we just hit the bar at the right time together, you know, and it was just one of these things. It was like, here we go, you know, and this guy, like, he knew everyone on the island from the club scene and from Pasha and we ended up in like VIP doors back door Pasha this club that club and I was like what is going on here it was wild it was really good and uh, and then three days later I left you know and it was like I, I think I left him on that Bora Bora beach you know we just like flew around the island for three days it was incredible and uh, I was like I'm coming back here you know and funnily enough I've, I've, I've been in contact with the guy he now owns a property here but I've never seen him since you know never seen the guy since but that was that little spark that was like hmm it's fascinating that you can meet someone at the bar here and you know then just spend the next three days with them. Oh, it's nuts! It's absolutely nuts. I mean, I, I, I've never done that before. I suppose not that I could think of in Scotland, you know. But here you have that. You're allowed, not allowed. I don't like to think of like think of like that, but you do have the freedom if you're respectful of the freedom you can have a ball you know as long as you're not an asshole in in those three days and you're just going about and having fun then you can have bags of the stuff you know it's on tap i could have walked away from that situation at any point but it was far too good you know it was far too good and uh so yeah it was great you know and again and then the people that you meet here on the island like i'm not going to name drop anybody that but the people you you stand in a room with someone and you realize that this person is such and such and such it's like mind-blowing because it's just a melting pot here of everyone you know everybody and i don't know it's just great you know let's name check tess actually let's name drop one person because that's when i met you on um new year's eve in the sunset maybe two years ago when we were standing at the end of the world it felt like because it was bloody baltic and i'm sure it felt like we were in scotland actually it was blowing a hoolie and we went to meet near experimental beach to watch the very last bit of sunset should i come down on the end of 2019 right before the mentalness kicked off yeah right before covid i remember that yeah so tess tess was um there was a few 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 girls and a few guys that when we went to pikes one night 
and uh, for the DJ Harvey thing on the Monday night and Tess and a few few of her really good friends on the island we just had this thing of me and a mate of mine were there and we had a, a great suite in, in the hotel which is like looked over the which is the terrace or the smoking area now you know and uh, and all of a sudden our room just ended up being full of people right and it was probably one of those for us it was a magical night it was great and we met all these people and Tess was one of these people that night and she nicknamed us Dick and Dom you know straight away of that I don't know some like English TV characters or something and uh, and we met all these guys straight away and then again that was it and it was away and within a matter I think it was after that it was about three months two months after no six months after that I was here six months after that because I kind of then met the British crew you know I met all that crew I got work through them and you know and I got introduced to the whole island through their ways and every other way you know it's great. quite interesting how there's like the British crew the Dutch crew the Italian crew the French crew the German yeah. crew like which you know which are you most drawn to um, well, luckily for me, because I do hair, I do I, I dip my toe in all those crews. So I find it funny when I say to one of them, like, oh, do you know Tess, say, for example, and they go, no idea. And you go, love would I be? Nope. You know, but then you could ask vice versa. Do you know, do you know? Nope. And the island's so small. You know, you walk up the high street and I, I recognise most faces on my high street, you know, like the local Spanish neighbours and things like that. And so, but the party scene as well you know just because of the accessibility to get around to all the different venues I think people stay in their little pockets you know it's just safer people but I've, I've only ever met like two other Scottish guys here you know there's only other two like when I hear a Scottish voice I'm like whoa who's that you know and so I know two of the Scottish guys here Gav and uh, Guy Davy. but Davy's always away on his boat sailing you know so I've met, I've met really interesting people here as well Mm-hmm. You do look a bit like DJ Harvey, actually. Oh, DJ Harvey looks like me, right? That's the other way around. Right? Don't put that in. I'll kill you. <laughs> That's what the guy said to me this morning. And he's like, from LA, he's like, oh, you look like DJ Harvey. He says, no, DJ Harvey looks like me. And he went, you get that a lot. And I was like, yeah. It's like, yeah, fuck. I think he's quite attractive. So oh, it's, it's, it's not far from a com- not a compliment. Yes, it's a compliment. I know, I know. I know. But I, I, I try to look like myself, you know. I try and be myself as much as I can. <laughs> And how's that working out for you? Uh, so far, not that good because I'm starting to look like DJ Harvey, clearly. <laughs> yeah, but that's whatever, you know. Do you think you're more you here or back in Scotland? Completely different. Mm. Completely different. Talk us through it. Oh, I've no idea where to start. <laughs> no idea where to start. Wow. It's just totally different. Like, before I definitely ran, I ran my life on a clock. You know, I used to know, you know that when people go, oh, it's 11-11, you know, it's 12, 12 I, fuck, I could have told you that, no problem, I'm going to tell you the seconds, because I ran on that appointment system through my job for like 25, 30 years back then, and coming here, it was like, you were able to take, I was able to take my watch off, you know, and at first it was quite funny, because I used to go and cut people's hair at home, and they would say, I'll say, right, I'll see you at two o'clock in the afternoon, this is when I first got here. And then not realising at two o'clock in the afternoon is like 7pm Ibiza time, you know, so I'd rock up to, I remember the first time it happened, I went to someone's house at two o'clock and it was like 10 to two even and they were driving down the road towards me and I was sort of like, oh, am I not supposed to be cutting your hair at two? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, but I'm just about to pick my kid up at school and I'm like... <laughs> But I'm going to make you cut your hair, right? And she's like, oh, yeah, just hang around. You don't just go up to the house and hang around. They'll be back in like an hour. And I'm like, what the fuck is this woman talking about? You know what I mean? It's like I'm not hanging around your house for an hour, right? It's like you get to jail for that in Scotland, you know, lunching around somebody's villa. I says, no, 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 no. It's like, but then I clicked very, very quickly. Double check, double check, double check the time because people don't run on UK time. They just run when it's easy. And then I got used to that. And then now it's probably quite difficult for me to keep an appointment myself now. It's not actually. I do keep that as one thing I'm pretty punctual with, you know. If I make an appointment with someone, then I'll, I'll sort it out. Yeah, that used to drive me mental when I first got here. Teaching yoga, starting the class, beginning the meditation. And then someone bowls in halfway through and it's like... Are you actually for real? I can't stand lateness. Yeah. It drives me up the wall. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting used to it now. I get used to it. I'm never surprised. You know, we're dealing with the house and dealing with people that come to the house all the time. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there at 10 o'clock on Monday and you don't see them till like Thursday, you know, and it's like, come on, you know, it's like, it just, there, there's just that, but it's that manana, 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 which is great. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it, it, I'd rather be doing this than running around at 100 mile an hour back in Scotland again or the UK again. Even though it was amazing, I still think, well, the back half, I'm going to put the brakes on a bit and relax. And it's, I still do the same. I still achieve, probably achieve more now, you know, in a different way. It's a very interesting contrast. I think that process of adaptation, I mean, I, you know, I'm never going to become one of these Ibiza time people, you know, and thinking it's acceptable, personally, from my own perspective, to turn up 15 minutes late. But I do feel like this way of 
you know, acknowledging that we need to slow down when you get here. I mean, it's not, you know, everyone gets here from wherever they've come from, whatever city it might be. And they're all, why isn't this happening? Why isn't that shop open? Why can't I achieve X and Y and Z? And it's like these bloody people. And it's like, no, no, (laughs) they've got it right. Like we are the stressed out lunatics. They're all marching around a million miles an hour, like driving ourselves up the wall. So it's, yeah, I think it's kind of intriguing. You know, I've noticed that process of, of, um, yeah, kind of integration really, like unfold more and more and more over the last 10 years. I'm still quite highly strung and I love to run around and be quite busy and hectic and manic at times. But, you know, it's definitely rounding the edges off and... Mm. Yeah, starting to chill out just a little bit. Yeah, but I think like the manic here, I hear people and they go, I'm so busy. And you go, really? <laughs> well, you've done four emails today. It's like, fuck, you must be stressed out. <laughs> Off to the beach now, you know? It's like, come on. what? And even even people I know that you think, wow, I bet they're really busy. And you think, yeah, you're busy, but you're not that busy. You know, you're not that busy. It's, but that's great. I love the pace of it all. I love the, the easy pace of it all. But, you know, you go out there and there's people running around at 100 mile an hour and it's like just wide berth all that. You know, that energy field, if you like, stay away from that. And it's much, much better. I think just people just glorify the word busy, though. You know, being busy used to be like a stamp of honour. It was like, yeah, I'm so busy. You know, I've got time for this. I've got time for that. And it's like, how wasn't the whole point of moving here to have time to go to that yoga class or to go to the beach in the afternoon and actually take a swim when it's warm enough to do so? It's like, if I don't get to the beach at least once a day for a quick dip, it's like, I feel like I've failed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, I know people that come here and they've lived here for 10 years and virtually never been in the water. And it's right on the doorstep, and you're like, you're kidding me on. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm, I, I go in it when it's like a bath. You know, I'm not into the middle of the winter stuff like some of the people are, which I wish I could. It's the best medicine, I suppose, but I was just, I just like, but I love it. When I do get in and you force yourself to do it, it's amazing. You haven't done the New Year's Day swim with Tess then? Nah, I, I don't, nah, no, no, I've not, we did it all in a group. Yeah, we did. We did it. We did it, myself and my girlfriend and a few. There was a lot of us that actually won the Salinas thing. Yeah, it was the last, I think we did the last one. I think we did the last, we've done a few, but we got the last one just before crazy COVID time as well, you know? So yeah, I've done that. I'm not bothered about that. You only run in and run back out, you know, that's easy. <laughs> not hanging around in there, you know? So seeing as I met you on the eve of the maddest year of our lives, yeah. I'd love to know, as, a, as an artist, I mean, I'm assuming you weren't cutting that many people's hairs when we're all in lockdown, like you can't really cut on Zoom, <laughs> assumably. Yeah. But what about the artists? Were you really inspired? Were you painting much? What were you doing? Yeah, it was like, at first, we'd just come back from Thailand. Um, and we'd been in Thailand for a month, and that just blew my socks off that place. And we got back here, I think it was like three days before three days before the lockdown. So but, but just after we saw you, I think it was just after we saw you, we went to Thailand, we came back, and just as we were travelling back across the world, that was when it was all masks. This was happening, this was happening. It was like, we'll get back in time. What wasn't the issue? We come back in Ibiza in a matter of days, it just went, chum. But I was still mesmerised with all these monks and all this Buddhism and all this, like, what is this? Just a whole different universe over there. And... I suppose I just we all, I mean it like sounds well, I don't care it sounds amazing this is like a retreat here you know it was like everybody had a retreat here but it was like you had the island to ourselves uh, I loved it absolutely loved it and I suppose I got like the cliche got into meditating when I came back and then I, st- I wasn't painting all the time but I was painting and I was only doing that as a deflection because I wasn't cutting hair yeah you're right you know we weren't doing any haircuts and then painting it just sort of learned and taught myself painting as much as I could and then I suppose like everybody else jumped onto the podcast thing and started listening to millions of podcasts and and everything was just going on from there you know everything and then just started painting and painting and painting meditating and doing Wim Hof sort of game popular at that time with everybody training and but just in the confinements of your own apartment you know you were getting out to go to the shops and stuff and you know what have you but then and then I, I, I was starting to go a bit stir crazy after about three or four months and then I found out that my dog my mate had left his dog here with a friend of mine and I was like wait a minute you can go out if you've yeah. got a dog but then at the time they said oh yeah but you're only like 50 yards from the door but there wasn't a time limit on the 50 yards I remember that it was right at the start so I went mm, perfect so I put the podcast on and because of my block it's like in a there's like two pathways and two roads so you can't drive all the way around it so you remember at that time the police were all roaming the streets and everyone was getting fines 
So basically, I, I, I just sussed out that all I had to do was walk around my block. But I was walking around my block for like 20 kilometres. <laughs> it was about four and a half hours, right? I was walking around <laughs> the block and I had this little fat, like uh, Jack Russell thing, little Shiloh, he's a cracking dog. I bet he was knackered. Oh, I think he's ripped at the end. He's like, boom, <laughs> <laughs> the COVID, he come out like a, like a pit bull. And, uh, but the police, I remember the police said to me, oh, you're not, you, you're not supposed to be out. And I was like, why am I not supposed to be out? I've got the dog. And he was like, yeah, yeah, but you've, it's like, but I'm right at my front door. There's my front door. There's no time limit on how long I have to be out for. And that's basically what I did. I walked, I walked like for 10, 15 kilometres every day around my block. Right? And just because it was it was getting that stir crazy in the house after a while, it was just like, it's just getting boring now. Even the painting was becoming boring because you've got no inspiration and things like that. You know, you just because you're, you're not involved with people. We all need people, you know, simple as that. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was really good. Um, yeah, and then I, I started thinking about books and self-publishing books and writing things and the painting and the like any kind of design work that I was getting involved with then and just doing anything just to work with your hands and just not be bored basically you know just keep the cobwebs away mm-hmm. I just have this vision of you just walking around in circles I'm surprised like, the like men in white coats didn't come it was like a moat of water all the way around those fucking crocodiles in the moat it's like just bore this hole around the apartment and they let me give them and be like where are you on the phone I'm like I'm outside the back door I'm outside the front door I'm outside the back door I'm outside the front door just walked and this little dog's bum 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 pounding it was amazing it was amazing I loved it I loved it yeah I bet he misses you that dog yeah the dog well he ended up she ended up back in England with her owner again and he has properties things here so he's backwards and forwards you know so sometimes he brings her over and something I think she's too old now you know she's too old she's definitely you're knackered her out mate that's what happened she wasn't unfit I think she was like 12 when she started her fit routine and for a dog that's a lot you know but yeah that was good that was that was good for my sanity though you know poor little thing as long as you're alright I mean you know yeah 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 and the dog was okay it was well fed you know it's a well groomed dog after that but yeah it was good it was good oh, well, you're a hairdresser did you give it a haircut no 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 so at least no, say no. thank you yeah no 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 service is rendered yeah yeah no 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 I didn't get on well that, that well with the dog but uh, yeah it was good it was good I enjoyed it I enjoyed it and it was tough for everybody all over the world you can't speak to people but then the beautiful thing is you got video calls you know so you could literally talk to everybody on the phone every day anyway so you're saying people you know everybody needs people but I mean like the right kind of people and I think it's very interesting we've just talked about this idea of these little pockets of people kind of scattered around the island there's like you know people that are into kind of certain different types of things or you know like there's a whatsapp group that I'm I I was a member of for a while called the groovers and it was just people that love to wear very colorful clothes and go out dancing and they have a lot of parties and you know there's little kind of cliques of like yeah groups dotted around the island yeah. that you can kind of be part of and dip in and out of I, yeah. I feel yeah oh yeah there is yeah I mean I, 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 I know a lot of people but I don't really socialise with a particular squad you know it's like because I'm in the car a lot I drive a lot so there's enough drink, drink driving problems here without me adding to it, you know. So when I'm driving around and you could be at a villa one evening at 7pm, you know, and everybody's bum, 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 let's have a party. And it's like, I'm driving home now, you know. It's like, it's not a, a goody two-shoes attitude about it, but it's, it's just easier for me to do that because I could be in San Jose and then I could be in Calavacente on the same day. And I know to most islanders that's like travelling around the fucking world, right? But for me, it's just like shooting around the island, you know? And I suppose if you don't live here, you don't under... Because I remember when I, before I got here, and I, I remember someone saying, I, I don't want to go to Ibiza time, you know? It's like, it's, it's so far. And I was thinking, if I got the, the geography wrong here, how th- big is this island? And when I got here, I was like, you're just a lazy bastard. That's all it is, you know? That's why you don't want to go... But then it's very easy to slip into that because it's so calm here. You know, you don't have to go anywhere because you've got loads of mates in all your little areas. I suppose people that live in the campo are constantly in their car, you know. I mean, I love the the sort of romance of the campo, but I could throw a stone into the water from from the house, you know. So it's like I'd rather have that than have to get in the car every time I want to go anywhere, you know. And you can skip down the hill and be in town within literally a matter of minutes. Seconds, yeah, yeah. And there's a buzz, there's people... But yeah, the campo's got that, I love the isolation of the idea of the campo, you know, but that's why I love Formentera, you know, Formentera's just got that little slice of, I suppose, what would you say, social life, but just a little, just enough, mm-hmm. but the place itself is just wow, you know, for me, that's that would be my end goal if I could live there. Mm-hmm. That would be my end goal. Yeah, we're, we're saving up for that one. Uh, <laughs> I think it could take a few more years. Yeah, yeah, join the back of a long queue. Yeah, it's like, it's amazing. That for me is like, it's not even an end goal. I would just like to live there one day, mm. you know, properly. 
I would love to do that, you know, even camper van it for a few nights, just to be there on that island. As I say, going back to that sort of energy thing, you know, when we, I was there a couple of weeks ago with a friend for a few nights and the people that sort of bounce into your, I don't know, what would you want to say, like your your frequency that night or that day, you know, and it's like, I, I, I try not to think it's like that fate thing, you know, I think you meet people on these these nights or these days for a reason, and sometimes it's just jaggy and you just bounce them straight off you and you never see them again, it's great um, and then there's some people that you just automatically click with and it's you just chat with them, you know, and you get involved with them you could end up with three days or you could end up with three minutes, you know, whatever it may be, but it's just, it, it has that thing it has that magic about it and people, are people put in front of you for a reason? I don't know I don't know, sometimes it feels like that Sometimes it feels like that. Yeah, but you, you, you're right because, you know, you can bump into somebody and think, oh, my God, I really don't want to see that person again. You might never see them again for another two or three years. And some people, you know, you just run into on a daily basis. It doesn't matter where you go. You could be over at Esfedra one day and, Something. you know, shopping in uh, the local market the next. Yeah. But they're there and they're yeah. always there and you keep running into them. And I, I kind of feel like that kind of gravitational force is there for certain people that I don't know that island had this weird way of like you know making sure that you keep bumping into that person normally that for me happens for a reason um yeah I think uh, you know, I remember hearing someone there was a really good pal of mine um from Ireland that I met uh, he was one of the first guys I met here as well and unfortunately he's no longer with us due to probably the island um and I remember him sort of explaining that the island will either take you or it'll kick you off right it's like shut up man you know, it's like, you're, him being Irish, I just thought he was like Scottish, you know, so he'd be like, yeah, blah, 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 hocus pocus nonsense. And hung out with him quite a lot, he was great, and he would drip feed me with these little things, and I was like, I never thought about anything like that, you know, like the the synchronicity and things like that, and then it was like the second time I went out with him, he says, oh, we'll go to San Anne, I'll, I'll, I'll take you around San Anne and show you, blah, 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 I think we even went to like a kebab shop or something in San Anne, right? <laughs> and, uh, and there was a guy I'd been speaking to on the internet prior to coming about other things that I was going to plan when I was getting here. And when I got here, I hadn't been in touch with the guy yet. And just as we turned this corner, there was the guy. And I was like, oh, hey, how you doing? And he was like, oh, all right, blah, 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 blah. I'll catch up with you later. And as we walked away, Russell's like, synchronicity, right? And I was like, ah, ah, right, okay. Right, so that was my kind of going, well, maybe there is a bit of weight in that, you know, who knows? But I don't force anything anymore, you know? It's like the people that come in front of you now, it's like when we banged into each other the other night at the party, you've no idea who was at that party the other night. And there was faces that I saw from years ago that I've not seen for years, you know? Um, not through any negativity or anything, I just hadn't seen them again. So there's loads of stuff like that. Yeah, and it's, it's, if you go with it, it's up to you whether you believe in it or not, you know, I suppose. But I've been in situations, I mean, my scissors have got me through the doors of some spectacular places, you know? And it's just down to those scissors, you know, and the craft and everything that I've done in my past. It's great. Well, I want to hear more about what you've done in your past. I think that you, let's let's get into the scissor game because I'm 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 intrigued. How did you first get into hairdressing? <sighs> the hairdressing was like as a straight man. Yeah, as a straight man. Yeah, it was like I was never on the radar. A few of us left school at the same time, and we did a, a printing course. Right, basically, what happened? It was like me and a couple of mates <laughs> when we were about fifteen. We robbed a spa shop, right, in in Scotland. Right? It was quite funny, right? <laughs> we were only kids, right? But we something happened, and we were in a situation where we ended up in the back store of this spa shop, right? Uh, uh, this is long, funny history. And my mate opened up the fridge, and there was a lot of money in the fridge. This is like nineteen eighty eight or something, right? This is like a long time ago, and the equivalent was maybe now, if I think of it, maybe like twenty thirty k now, right? In this fridge, right? it was like five pound notes for fuck's sake, right? And we were sort of standing in this room, and all of a sudden it was like, you know, this glow. So we just grabbed it. Now we were all good kids. We were all skateboarders, and we weren't. Into, I think we just started smoking dope, you know, like kind of. We weren't into anything, not even drinking yet, really. And we got sort of like we got all this money and we we, we we ran home this is like quarter to six at night this isn't like a bank job in the middle of the night or anything it was all just this synchronicity we just ended up in this situation and we just reacted as kids and uh, but we ran to my mate's house and just as we got to my mate's house his mother phoned on like the landline obviously there's no mobile phones and he answered the phone and he's like oh what are you doing and she, he was like oh we're just sitting watching TV that was what we did every night between five and six o'clock at night and uh, so about Three weeks later, nothing had happened. We'd spent money on the cars and motorbikes and like some scrapyards and 
all sorts of stuff, crazy stupid stuff, buying Walkman tapes and that were like 120 euros at the time for this Walkman, you know, and it was like we were going to buy two, right? That 15 year old with a school uniform on. And then there was the, the, the CCTV at that time was like this 15 second bup, bup, right? It's no fucking digital stuff here. And all they caught was my mate's ankle going out the door. Right, that's all they caught was, it. And, but the police knew who we all were because we were in the same neighbourhood every night. They all knew who we were. And we weren't bad kids because we were always just together making noises on skateboards. That was the worst we did was get moved along. We used to hang around the university building in Dundee as well, which was our sort of hunting ground for having fun. And uh, and the police just came up to the door. They were like, "We we'll just have to have a stab in the dark with these young guys," but it couldn't have been them because they knew us. They came up and obviously, like, you think you're a smart arse at 15 and they could read you like a book, you know? It's like, so it was like, don't know what you're talking about, don't know what you're talking about. And then a week later, it was like, we've got your mate in, like, the, the not the cells, but, like, in the headquarter building and he's just admitted. And I was like, well, I did it as well. And they just did the same to him, you know? So they just double-duped us both in the house. And uh, so my dad basically at that point was like, well, you need to go and work because you're going to end up a thief. Right, because it was like, wow, it was good fun, and we got away with it basically because we were underage. And uh, so I got into printing for a year, like the mechanical side of printing, like typo- uh, typography and things like that. And it's like fucking boring, you know. It's like poof, above A4 sheets of paper for college, for whatever it was. And I just remember I'd, I'd, I'd moved into a, a, an apartment with my cousin and my auntie, and uh, they had a salon below. And for, we just went to the barber shops all the time for haircuts as kids, just in the local barber, in the local barber. And then we, uh, one day I thought I'm going to go into the hairdresser, I couldn't get it, I think the, barber, the barbecue was too big. So I went in the salon, and I remember just sitting there, and the girl was really cool that was cutting my hair, and I was like, just looking around, and she was cutting my hair, and I was like, that's so fucking easy what she's doing, that looks so easy. And I was like, what's it like being a hairdresser? And she's like, oh, it's really good, you know? She was a really, really nice girl, I'll never forget Lisa her name was. And... Uh, and she was just like, well, yeah, but it's really hard, you know, and I'm thinking, you don't look that busy to me, right? You're just cutting my hair, right? What's so hard about what you're doing? No disrespect, obviously. It was my first minute in, involved in the industry. And uh, and I just, I can't remember how, she said something about, oh, you get a Saturday job. You can get a Saturday job. And I was like, hmm. So I worked Monday to Friday in the print shop. And I think that time I was on the YTS, which was like, what, 28 50 a week, plus your bus fares or something. And uh and she said, I says, oh, what'd you get for a Saturday? She's like, I think you get a tenner. And I was like, hmm, that's all right. You know, that's like a lot of money. So I says, oh, can I get, well, the guy's actually coming in tonight to do interviews for the salon for a Saturday. And I was like, oh, really? I says, right, I'm going to go upstairs and have my dinner. I'm going to come back down. And the time as you get here, it was like six o'clock. Oh, but you'll need to like make an appointment. And I was like, fuck that. You know, I went upstairs, had some tea. I was like, bum, 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 six o'clock. <laughs> and there was this guy, Graham, sitting at the chair. And I says, are you interviewing for Saturday jobs? And I was like, I'll do it. And he was like, cool, I'm going away to the pub. And I just, I knew straight away. He was like, yep, you'll do me. Bum, bum, bum. He went to the pub and I started the next day on the Saturday. I walked into his main salon to learn the ropes before I went into like the junior salon, not junior salon, but like the secondary one. And uh, I'll never forget it. It was like, I was in the shop, 30 seconds, and he went, coffee filter machine. And he had changed the coffee, blah, blah, blah. That was like, I'm thinking I'm going to start cutting hair at nine o'clock on Saturday morning. And I just pulled the coffee filter thing and smashed the whole thing, you know, as I was in the shop for one second. And, uh, and he just came down and laughed. And he was like, this is nuts, you know what I mean? This is nuts. And then the guy who was working there, Scott, he just went under the wing, shoom, and he just took me right through. I suppose I got shown the, the etiquette, you know, the etiquette, how to be in that environment. You know, you think you'd be a bit of a wide boy, you know, and it's like automatically say, like, oh, 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 this is like your mum's mates coming in here or, you know, like there was a lot of high profile business people coming in that shop and people that were all well known and you're just this fuckwit, you know, that's 16, that's like all of a sudden you're shampooing this woman's hair. It's like, what am I doing, you know? But I picked it up really quick. I was watching them all and I could see the rhythms and the patterns of what they were doing. And I think within a matter of three or four weeks. I was like, come on, you know, it's like, give us, give us, some, give us something to do, this is boring, you know? So they're like, come on, let's do it. And, uh, and I watched one of the guys cutting hair and I says, are you doing that because of that? And he went, yeah, get him scissors. And it was literally within a year, I, was, I, I, I knew what I was doing. But those times, which is what I was talking to you about earlier, was like, you, you did that apprenticeship, you know, three, four years, like, Jesus, this is boring, you know, whether it's perming, colouring, 
you're looking at all these older stylists, they're all getting money, they're getting commission, they're talking this and they're selling shampoo. And this was when Paul Mitchell came out. So these black and white bottles of shampoo, and it was like, what the fuck is going on? You know? It's like I didn't you did no idea there's this whole industry of like women's beauty products and this vanity of hair. I had no idea, even though I had two sisters and my mum wasn't like that, you know, my mum just had a classic bob. So mum was never one for going to fancy salons or anything like that. Well, I never knew that because I never said to mum, oh, where'd you get your hair cut? You know, it was not a question I asked your mum. It wasn't a me f- for me anyway. And it just accelerated from there. And then straight away I was like, hmm, you can't do this on your own, make a bit more money. And then just diversing and looking. And fortunately, every place that I kind of worked with, there were shit hot people in there, you know, really good at the, in the trade in Scotland, really brilliant reputations. There still have brilliant reputations today in Scotland and in the industry, in the craft. Fucking hate that word, the industry. Um, but that's that's where I was lucky enough to be with them, right? So I was just sponging off at all them and then getting techniques. And I used to love the education side. I used to love going to Glasgow and getting in the car and we'd go and see some hairdresser from London. And it was like, wow, you know, this pop star hairdresser would be showing you all this stuff. And I just could watch it. And it's not, it wasn't like, a, what do you call it, like photographic memory. It was just like, yep, yep, that's why you're doing that. That makes sense. As long as I was shown something, I could just mimic it straight away. I just knew the balances of what, what was actually going on. So it helped me when I came back. I was, then I found I was actually quite good at showing that to someone else, right? Because I would see these other people and think, you could have, you could have shown us that a bit better. You know, that, that could have been, maybe, like, you would see things and, ach, I don't know, it's not, I'm, I'm not being judgmental with things, but I just remember questioning things at the time and going, I understand what you're doing here, so take, taking techniques back and doing them in the salon was just easy. I've just found it easy. Then you understand how to deal with people, how to actually sort of, like, deal with that woman that's pissed off that morning and, like, when you're 19 or 20, you don't give a fuck if that woman's just had a raging argument with her husband. You're the, uh, 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 when you cut your hair, you know you're some kind of pop star, you've come into our salon. And when you get your head back around that, that they're the superstar and not you, that's when you get that grimden effect, you know, where it's like, right, you just have to do the craft properly. You don't have to be this big, like, showman behind the chair. But creating the, the right environment and creating that, not show, not show, but, like, there's a just there's a vibe in a salon as well you know it's like I've, here it's funny I worked in a kitchen I worked in Botes up in uh, Pikes in the kitchen last season and standing in the kitchen working with chefs it's like change those pots and pans for scissors and combs you're exactly the same people right I could go I could see you being like a head director and you being like the shampoos but not like I'm putting anybody in that like oh head chef or junior chef I don't mean like that but the personalities it's that the, there's this thing that chefs have got a huge in common with hairdressers and I know that because I've stood with them and worked in that environment and it's all mental then yeah they're all mental yeah pretty much yeah they're all pretty mental yeah fucking hell yeah it's true you went from being a little rapscallion toe rag rebel yeah. rascal right. to actually kind of you know learning how to interact and how to treat people with respect and how to put them at ease because I think a lot of people turn up for a haircut me particularly included feeling quite nervous about the outcome because you know sometimes you go and sit down in a chair and you're like okay I want it like this or maybe I've even got a picture maybe you hate people like that that come in with a photo it's like can you make me look like Pamela Anderson but it's just like it's like like, yes of course (laughs) I don't have a magic wand I know but you know but you've got an image in your mind and then sometimes you like you know it gets the end and you, you look in the mirror you're like you done to me like I'm yeah I, I get really weirded out by the end result and often when I go home and wash it myself and you know do it my way it looks great but it's just that kind of weird thing that hairdressers do at the end where they kind of like fluff it all up and then it's all like I don't know that's not my my thing and, I, and, it, and it makes me really nervous when I go to get my hair cut yeah it's it's really difficult because the the important bit is that consultation, you know. Once you've got the once you've got the ammo in here, right? Once you've got all the info that you need, the there the really isn't. It's, it's, you're getting on with someone. It's, it's 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 almost like mental health as well, you know. You're you're talking to someone. Someone could come in stressed, you know. And I rem- there's, there's things that I learned through going on courses like I remember one thing that flashed in my head is like you know you almost mimic the person if that person comes in they're like they're quite calm they're reserved and they just sit down in the chair and you're like a wild man hey how you doing you know they're like whoa you know just like turn the volume down and I remember somebody saying kind of mimic the person right if they're a little bit wild and lively then you could be wild and lively just to get your rhythm and get your feeling with the person then you can 
it's not that you're being false. You still have to be you, right? But if I now start shouting and screaming in this podcast, right, you're going to be like, well, where is it? What is he doing here, right? But it's, it's, it's we've got a level here. Would you get find that groove with someone? Then it's a piece of cake. Then even when that that sort of like laid back, easy ozy lady comes in and you are a little bit wild and excited then she goes that's just you you know and they're not intimidated by that it's like it's just him or it's just that it's just my stylist but once we get in the chair I'm confident that they know what they're doing but it's that consultation thing is making someone feel at ease sit down relax have a cup of coffee it's like things are like in the chair what do you want that's great shampoo come down cut 50 euros or 50 quid you know and it's like people are like I don't even like it right and sometimes people don't have the confidence to say I don't like that but you have to tell them at the start, especially if you don't know someone, look, let's do our best, you know, I think it always takes two to three goes, two to three visits, and if, if I feel that someone's going to be really on edge about, oh, I hate hairdressers, I hate coming to the salon, I've not been I've not had my haircut for years, it's fine, this is going to take a couple of goes, let's just take a bit off at a time, and by the second appointment, or halfway through that first appointment, they go, oh, just do what you want, right? That, and it's yeah. like, but you just have to get that get that groove with someone, and they're there, you know? And it's, as long as you're honest with people, just be honest with people. You know, someone come, oh, I want my hair cut to them, you go, nah, you don't want to do that, you know? And it's, from a man's, from a, a, a male's point of view, you get away with a lot more. But it's not that you're getting away with it, because it, it, you can almost be a little bit, we could be more complimentary, right? And so that looks that looks amazing on you. I really like that. That that shape will bring out your eyes. Whatever the colour does this, all these complimentary things. It, it it just sounds maybe a little bit better from a man, which is maybe why why is it that the majority of famous hairdressers are all male? You know, it's like I always used to think that. You know, I used to think, well, there's the amazing female hairdressers. I know them, but there maybe just is that thing where. Do you know what I'm getting from? Well, I think there's a lot of more. There's a lot more famous hairdressers that have made it, like you know, to the superstar levels, and they're like absolutely creaming it in with all the products, and you know, yeah. their kind of salon that's been obviously commercially pumped out. You know, they've got a salon in every part of the yeah. part of the country in England, for example. Like you know, Vidal Sassoon. There's another one. It's like you know, those Amazing. kind of guys seem to kind of make it as you just pointed out with the Paul Mitchell situation, more than... I, don't, I couldn't name you a famous female haircutter. No, I, I, I know a lot. And I know there's there's probably... There's one in particular. Uh, there's a lady, Tracy Gallagher, that I've had the fortunate... Like, I think I spent maybe working, like, proper hard hours over a period of time. I would say, honestly, about 30, 40 hours. 30, 40 hours I worked with, alongside this girl and one of her teams in. It's like mind-blowing what this girl... Just, you know when someone just does something different? It doesn't matter what they do, right? It doesn't matter what they do. There's just this, that thought pattern, let's go that way instead of everyone does that, right? And then she just goes, jump. And you go, oh, that's incredible, you know? And I, and I remember seeing her doing one thing and she made a... She said, we're going to make... Um, it was for... Uh, it was for the Central St. Martin's. It was something to do with Central St. Martin's because we worked in the salon in the corner on Duke Street in London. And the she got, like, the extensions and the, the fibre hair for the extensions. And she the way that she laid it on the floor and she was spraying hair, spraying hair, and I was like, what's this mad woman doing, right? And as we're all watching, I'm watching it. She's like, in, almost in another room. And she basically created a piece of material from hair, right? In a matter of 20 minutes, she had this maybe two, three metre long piece of material which is obviously like see-through but she made it with hair and hairspray and then next thing she's chung 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 and she's making these little top hats and I was like she's made them out of hair right it's like it's amazing right I've never seen anybody doing that and now the creativity level I'm sure even with, with Tracy levels now will just be off the scale when I think back that was nearly 15-16 years ago that I worked with her and it was like back then it was amazing so whatever it is she's doing now I've not seen any of her work for a while but I'm sure it'll be off the scale like just forward thinking, and but always what I always loved about Tracy, there was always that, and the 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 other guys that she worked with was, just, was Andrew Barton. You know Andrew Barton. You must have heard of him. He was like he's a big product guy, and he's like a good pal of mine. He was actually here a few weeks ago. It was amazing. And uh, that these guys, they've got this like a discipline. You know, it's like it's not because they educated on such a huge global sort of arena. They had like 150 salons. They were the the artistic level for 150 salons. You got 150 salons of students what and educated 
by who, you know, so you need to have superior people, thinkers that can feed them a collection every quarter or every six months that'll inspire them and have them all sit, singing from the same hymn sheet, so they're all like, if you go into one of their salons in Dubai you'll get exactly the same vibe as you come to one of their salons in Newcastle, for example right, it's the same, it's the same thing, so they worked really, really hard to keep that right, not to be better than anyone else, just to do it right, and that's what I liked about them, these guys are like they're just unsung heroes in the hairdressing world and the amount of people that they've helped uh, build the confidence I was just and I worked alongside them and it's pretty cool you know it's pre- and I'm still in contact with them you know and it's, that's what I love about that as well everybody I worked with all the salons that I worked with most of the staff I think most of them I can't think of any staff in particular that I, I wouldn't sit down right now and have a chat with you like um, yeah I, I still speak to most people you know and like they're still involved and but behind the chair you know whereas I just pulled away from the chair I just couldn't be bothered with that anymore I mean, it is hard. It looks like hard work. I mean, I've never seen a fat hairdresser. I mean, you know, you're on your feet, your arms are like ripped. You're kind of, you know, you're in action like basically all day. And um, I think it's, you know, it's a very physical job. But I'm intrigued actually because um, I was completely in love with my hairdresser in London. He was called Oscar. And I used to go and visit him at his salon in um, in Soho. I used to work there um, for the BBC. And basically, yeah. I would just go there probably a little bit more frequently than was that was needed. I had quite a short haircut yeah. at the time, so it needed a lot of maintenance. But he'd always give me like the last appointment of the day so that he could offer me a glass of wine. And then this haircut so would take I, way yeah, longer than an hour. Yeah, it would take maybe yeah. two or three hours. And we, yeah. you know, sort of like really make a bit of a meal out of it because yeah. we just really enjoyed spending time together. Yeah. It's great. Well, that's, it's, it's, a great, it's a great thing. And then going back to that thing with the lockdown, people need people, right? So there's a lot of there's people who don't have mates male and female, they don't have any bloody communication with anyone, unless it's like social media, you know, it's like all that stuff so, but the barber shop has got that, especially the barber shop I could think of, I could probably relate to it a little bit closer from a mental health perspective than the salon, even though thinking back to the salon, but this may be a male-female thing, whereas the male-male thing in the barber shop's a different vibe, still cutting hair, whether there's a separation I do not know, right, it's you're just cutting someone's hair uh, but the I think yeah people like the, the feel good factor I mean when someone sits and goes that's amazing I've never had a haircut like before in my life you're like yes you know what a result and then they just go and tell their mates and then their mates come and get the you cut the hair as well and then one of those mates goes I fucking hate it I hate what you've done to my hair but that's like you can't please everybody do you know what I mean no. so there was like but I just fortunately I didn't really piss a lot of women off you know about their hair because but I mean the like, etiquette going back to the etiquette would you date a client like was was you know were there any kind of like listen, very salubrious moments the salubrious moments will always stay like that right but I remember one of my bosses when we were like 18 there was about I worked in a salon that had like I think it was like 12 apprentices, right? It was a big shop, right? And there was like, I, I remember there was almost two cliques of girls. There was one one guy cutting hair. The two owners were male. There was one guy cutting hair, and he was also a doorman. So he was a straight guy. He was a doorman in the city on the nightclubs, right on the rave scene as well. So I started hairdressing right when East came out, right? So it was like, fuck. So Saturday morning, like, staff meetings would become, would be like, we're talking about come downs, whereas, before, like, six months before, it was like, there's too many towels going in the waste paper basket. Next thing, it's like, you are taking too much ease, right? And it's like, but then the bosses were going, hmm, this is quite good, right? So there was that, the, the camaraderie in a salon is amazing. Sorry, what was it you asked me about there? I completely lost my track. The etiquette of hairdressing, you seem to be quite, um, yeah, that's a real thing for you, but I was just wondering about no, the, the dating, dating one, of clients. The dating one was like, a boss said to me, one of these two guys, who the, the, these guys would be sitting in their early 30s, right? And they were really doing well in the city. They had salons all over. They were growing, they were growing, they were growing, they were growing. And, uh, and I think one of the guys was chatting up one of the, one of the clients, right, one of the apprentices, so there was like four of us, and there was six girls and four guys, and it was, what they used to do was, they used to bring in like 10, 15 apprentices and say, at the end of the week, there's three jobs, so do your best, right, so everybody's like, I'll do it, I'll do it, oh yeah, it was fucking X Factor. Oh yeah, it was amazing, but you just, you, you had no idea what you were doing, what they're looking for is just, just, they're looking for that little pocket of something that they see that they are, and then when you're dealing, like my dad's mates, right, so I, I've loved all my dad's mates, the hairdressers, males that were the same age as like my dad and my dad's mates, completely different kind of people. You know what I mean? Completely different kind of mentality. That's why they were able to stand behind chairs and bam, bam, bam. About the just big personalities, great. And he said, I remember he said, always remember, 
he says, if you get in your client's knickers, you'll never get back in her purse, right? And that was what he said when we were like 19. And I remember going, it's a very good point, because if I do that, then they want a free haircut after that. And that's, that was so, but that's not to say, that's not to say that never happened. But yeah, it does happen. It does happen, yeah. And I suppose at that time as well, when all the hairdressers were going out, I mean, you could imagine what was going on in, internally in salons if there was a few straight males. I mean, these were big salon groups. You know, there was like staff meetings that would be... I remember going to a staff night out and sitting with people and they're going, oh, do you work for the same company? And it's like, we're in a tiny little town. But because there was so many of these people, it was just brilliant. I loved it. I absolutely thrived in that. And then obviously the club scene as well, that got you loads of connections and everybody was happy and everybody loved each other in the nightclubs, you know, when these were good. And uh, and then you would come home and like the next day you would be like, oh, you, would, you wouldn't sleep that old one. But when you're 19, you can fire right into work at nine o'clock in the morning next thing you're washing somebody's hair and you're tripping you know it's like come on and we but the people used to everybody did it everybody did it everybody did it not everybody but the fun the fun salons and the successful sounds because it was a vibe and the music as well so the music went from this sort of eight days and then right into this sort of like the dance music stuff and cafe del mar cds were coming out and things like that so the music and the vibe in the salons were changing and you were wanting to stick with the cool salons and where all the sort of where the ravers worked you know and it was always always hairdressers were always the females they were always crazy so you were hanging about with them so your mates that thought you may be a hairdresser you gay or something right it's like mate, look where I'm out tonight, right? It's like 16 girls, right? We're all having a great time. They're like, fuck, can I be a hairdresser? I'm like, no, too late. But that was that was, that was was part of the hairdressing world. It was just like, this and it was great. I loved it. I had a great time. Yeah, still do have a good time in here. So rule number one, never bonk your clients. What else is on the list? I don't know, maybe think before you speak sometimes. I think that that's a, think before you speak. But remember, it's different. Everybody's on camera now. Right, we weren't on camera before, right? So when I was cutting hair, you never saw, uh, uh, like if, if you got a VHS cassette to the salon in like 1990 or 90, nobody did a video where you actually watch someone cutting hair on a screen. You know, you watched it live, you know? So, whereas now, no one watches it live anymore. Well, they do, they do. But I watched a, a, a like a, an event happening in uh, the, a, in the UK, it was maybe about a week ago, and I was watching the sort of as the guys wandered, and it just looked like a like going through DC Ten, and there was people getting their hair cut in it. It was just a mess. There was no kind of like, there's the stage, there's the guy, there's what he's talking you through, there's the camera zooming into the big huge image on the wall, you know, so everybody could watch and learn what's going on. So I just think people took it much more seriously then. And when you went to an event like that, you went with your team, right? So if your if your salon's name was Jeff Salon, right? Everybody was rooting at a competition for Jeff's salon. We all wanted Jeff's salon to win, right? But it's now it's they want Jeff to win, and Sarah that works for Jeff wants Sarah wants Sarah to win. You know they're only out for themselves now, right? And I suppose in a way that's exactly what I've ended up doing here. I only work for myself. I don't have any staff members or anybody to deal with. So it's effectively self-employed, but you're self-employed underneath that umbrella of someone else. That can I get a Saturday job? Where? No, you don't want to work for me on a Saturday. Nah, nah. Because my new rule is I'm only going to drink on a Friday. So I don't want to work on a Saturday. <laughs> you can do my clients on a Saturday. But yeah, it's like, even that, the Saturday job, I don't even know if you can get a Saturday job anymore in the UK because of the, you know, the way that, they, the way that people get paid now. I don't even know if you're allowed that. Or not allowed, but... I listen to a lot of hair podcasts and it just seems to be really challenging now in the industry. And I do think maybe 10, 20 years from now, I don't think you're going to be able to leave school. I'm going to wait to go and get an apprenticeship and stick four years in a salon. What are they going to pay you? You know, because of the, the cost of everything that's going up. So the education is definitely all from online now. And that's one of the things I'm working on this year is to make sure that what is online for me is crystal clear as you, as someone who wants to learn the industry, or if you're a champion like me in the industry and you want to go back to that basic it's like learning these disciplines and just, you know, when you see, like, I was, I remember this, uh, when the, the barber, and we kind of kicked the barber off, you know, this whole Peaky Blinder thing, right? In about 2009, we opened one in Scotland. It was the first one. And the place just, like, it just went through the roof. We had a training academy within six months. We had all sorts going on. We had, like, I reckon, I think I must have had about 1,500 students come through over, like, a, two, three, four year period, we educated really well with this brilliant system, which again is what's all getting put into internet value, podcast value now. And we had this great system that worked. And 
then that got lost and people were learning how to cut hair in like two weeks and they were getting 20,000 followers on Instagram and I, I was just going, what the fuck does that mean? Right, what is this Instagram, right? This is right at the cusp. Now we opened up the, we opened up the barbershop before Instagram and before anybody was doing that. So the guys that opened up and saw what we were doing opened up, they were hot on Instagram, right? And they just went, chum. and I suppose my ego took a kick in the ass. I was like, what the fuck? These guys have no idea what they're doing. How come they're getting these show work? And I remember actually writing to the show work and saying, is it about your social media number or is it about the skill? Because the guys that you've got on stage have zero skill, right? Yeah, they've got 10,000 followers, but they're all from China or India, wherever people were buying their followers from back then. And it was just like, Nah, and I didn't get a reply. And because I didn't get a reply, I was like, you're the owner, you're the organiser of this, so I've just called you out a little bit. And I had to kind of swallow that bitter pill of, this is how it is now. But I thought, it's not for me. So, jump, I backed out. What was it like working on catwalks? Because, you know, you've done, like, jobs amazing. with Vogue and, and, and play, you know, amazing. some big names. It's amazing. And you've even yeah. cut the hair of Eva Longoria. Eva Longoria, yeah, like, the Eva Longoria. I remember there was a few people like that that's, that's been really cool. But the, the, the catwalk stuff... The catwalk stuff was like, when I got into just the catwalk, it was, you know what, it's really bad. I forgot the girl's name. She was this black girl. She was amazing. She was absolutely amazing. And she she ended up getting an agency job in LA with the, it was like, remember the Brangelina phase, Brangelina, right? So the, whoever their agent was looked after a few Hollywood people. So what happens is when people get to a certain level in the industry, some of them are picked and they go and work for that agent in which the agent does is give them the work to these high-profile people. You only get that job if you're on the top, when you're on professor level, then you get jobs like that. But we got, we did uh, London Fashion Week. The first time I got into just a London Fashion Week was with this girl. I'm going to come back with that name at one point. It's really annoying. So she, we got this whole thing about we are sat in an office. I'd never done one before. We went down with a few guys, a few people. So because I was getting a reputation in the industry, with competing, winning competitions, and we we were getting involved with photography awards and we were getting imagery awards and we were doing really well for a young squad. We had a great little team. We always worked, we always educated and each other and went and did courses and tried to pick off of what other people are doing. So we we got and we done really really well. So that gets your reputation up. And somebody goes, oh, who's that? Right, let's maybe if we put a little team together, let's get these guys in. This is now it's quite a big thing. Fame team, creative teams. You know, it's quite a big thing now. But this is kind of the start of that little cusp. This is pre-social media as well. So there's nothing to do with your likability factor. It's if, if they like you in human form. And uh, being at London Fashion Week and seeing it, it's like rabbit in the headlights at first because you're like, what the fuck. But luckily for me, I had a client, um, a guy called Paul Topin, who's one of the top product designers on the planet, right? And he was working for Hussein Shalan, right? So he was really close with uh, doing all the... I don't know if you ever saw Hussein Shalan's airplane dress. You know, all these things that all moved on stage. And it was like electronic corsets. So when someone came out and the, the model would stand... This girl with a short blonde hair. I can't remember these girls' names. Been in Ibiza too long, that's what it is. And they would stand and the dresses would just form into whole brand new things and it was all done through remote control, through the backstage. So I did this guy's hair for years. He lived just outside my city. And uh, so he would tell me about fashion shows that I had no idea. I would just see it in Vogue. And because we were in the salon at the same time as well, we'd have 10 magazines delivered every month. You know, it would be like Vogue, Cosmopolitan. And then someone introduced us to Italian Vogue one day. And it was like, what the fuck is this magazine? Look at this. I don't know if you've seen Italian Vogue, right? It's just a completely different machine from all other magazines. It's amazing. don't know if it's still good now. I've not seen one for a while, admittedly. Uh, but he would always drip feed what it was like. So when I got there, I knew what it was like, but... I didn't, because there was nothing on TV backstage at London Fashion Week. Maybe the, the clothes show live would do it, you know, for like five seconds. And I think it was like Guido Paolo was like the hairdresser at the time, and or it would be Charles Worthington, you know, just some some big name at the time who was connected to morning TV. And uh, when we got there, she was like, like we were sitting in an office style environment. I was like, what's going on here? And she had the, 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 the whiteboard, and she was like, this is what we're doing. This is the theme. This is the theme. And I was like, ah, because like. How do you pick a hairstyle for a fashion show? You know, how do you do it? So she broke that down in a way I'll never forget. And this is one of the things I'm going to pass on to the podcast because it's like, it's incredible. It's so simple, it's incredible. So when she explained it, we had to do it. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what happened. It's quite funny. We had these uh, like 
fuzzy felt things. It sounds ridiculous, but it was cool, right? Fuzzy felt things, and they, they kind of got stuck to the head and the, and the face and the hair at some point. And we had to use like uh, like a black, it was a nail polish glue. You would dab this on, put this thing on the face, right? So I was given the job, there was like 32 models. I was given the job to be, so they would come in for each costume change, and there would be two per, two people per model, a hairstylist and a makeup artist, blah, 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 touch anything up they needed done. Nine times out of ten, nothing really happened. But when you were removing the outfit, you could pull or, you know, the makeup could smudge something. So I was given the job of, right when the girl's going away, to move back out into her line where there's, you've got, like, the catwalk coordinator guy, you know, sitting there, you go, you go, you go, right, all this, and you're learning all this, absorbing all this mad atmosphere. And uh, and I just saw this girl coming, and she, she, I says, that one, that one there's pinged off, get glue and ping this back on. I was checking all the hair tools. Yeah, that's fine. Sleeking the pony. You go. And it wasn't really doing much, but just double checking everything. But I was given that responsibility. They're all doing the checks. I'm finalising it. Go. And I just saw the girl, right? And you know when you, you you have a pint in your hand and someone says, you got the time? And you go, yep. And you pour the pint. And someone said to this girl, what's the time? And she's got this black nail polish glue over this, like, couture dress, right? And I just went like that. No! Right? <laughs> Bang! Right, like, well, but I shouted, No! And out in the audience, it was, no, you know, in the background, because it was all fucking fashion. She going, oh, here is a Scottish guy going, no. <laughs> and I poured this circuit black, but I, I saved the dress. And then the woman came over and she went, fucking crazy. Because I shouted over the fashion show. I just forgot just in the moment, right? So at the end, I got pulled in and she was like, what happened? And I was like, you know, that one with the pint and blah, blah, blah. She was someone asked at the time. And she basically went like that with her hand. And it was like, just about to go all over the thing and I just panicked and went no and it elbowed out of her hand and she was like ah, that's how it happened I went yeah and she was like ah, ah okay then but don't fucking shout backstage again you know and I was like and I, I knew again that was the backstage etiquette that was my introduction to that no shouting backstage no shouting backstage yeah and yeah, um, we are almost at the end of today's podcast yeah, I mean I clearly you've got yeah, about yeah, five million more stories, stories to come <laughs> Whether they're any good or not. Whether they're any good or not. No, they are very good. I, I re- li- you know, there, yeah. there has to be a part two, I think, possibly. Oh, yeah. But um, uh, it's been an absolute joy to listen to all of these no stories. Thank you so, no so much. Thank really, you. really, really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And thanks for listening to my Scottish drivel on a hangover. Yeah. <laughs> I have not got a hangover. I don't know what you're no, talking I about. I know, I know, I know. I'm only kidding. Rebel Coming to you every day